What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, masks down. The abrupt end of the COVID mask mandate on planes, trains, and Ubers. Relieved, stressed, reactions are kind of a mixed bag. Head of the Association of Flight Attendants, Sarah Nelson. If there's anything that we've learned from this, it has to be about common courtesy and recognizing that you may not have the same situation that other people have. And Elon Musk is gathering up all $43 billion to buy Twitter. But what's it for? Biographer Walter Isaacson with the inside scoop. I think his long-term plan is that he would have a decentralized governance of it. And no, he doesn't want to do what Mark Zuckerberg does, which is control stock and pass it down for many generations. Throughout those stories, we're all getting along, most of the time. I love you, and it's been how long? 12 years? We've been together a long time, my friend. 10, 12 years, a lot longer than a a lot of marriages. It's Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one, cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Manager Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky's off today. This is not me. Uh, I, I have no opinion. Do not. If you're looking for someone to get mad at, just don't, okay. do, don't get mad at either. The, the, get mad at the judge or, or whomever. She's but. in my sights. <laughs> and she's from the perfect state for you. Florida, right? Where it's all set up perfectly. All the deplorables are down there anyway. Uh, the TSA is halting enforcement of masking on public transportation. Yes, that's right. Finally, this follows a ruling that vacated the Biden administration's national COVID mask mandate for travelers. A federal judge uh, in Florida ruled that the CDC had overstepped its uh, authority, failed to explain its reason behind the mandate, and violated federal procedures when it didn't allow a public comment on the rule late yesterday. Airlines started responding. United, Delta, American, Southwest, JetBlue, Spirit, Frontier, and Alaska Airlines all making masks optional for passengers and crew members on domestic flights. And this is something industry heads have been pushing for. Here's Delta's uh, CEO, Ed Bastian, with us last week on Squawk Box. And I feel very strongly that the mask mandate should be lifted and let individuals, including our own employees, make their own decisions and take personal accountability for for their health on board our planes. The air on board our planes is the cleanest air you'll find anywhere with respect to the HEPA filters, the cleanliness of our aircraft conditions. And candidly, uh, it's time to let the masks go and let people decide. And a short time ago, Uber said, uh, as of today, masks are no longer required for riders and drivers. A Biden administration official says the CDC continues to recommend people wear masks on public transit. And union leader uh, Sarah Nelson from the Association of Flight Attendants appealed for calm on planes and in airports. She's read, read the notes on what Sarah feels. She's not really weighing in that heavily on either side. Just doesn't want more confrontations yep. based on well, you're not wearing one, I am wearing one. Like, 
people don't don't need to fly with you. I would not recommend that right now. I don't know about the subways. There's a lot of reason I don't want to ride the subways, but they don't have the same air um, circulation as planes. So you would think you walk out in the Nasdaq, you see there's no one with masks in, in, right. at, at the, the at the IPO thing. So at least in you'd rather have them there than in a plane. If you really are circulating in a plane, maybe a plane is one of the places where you would think it's okay so to take the, the mask off. I know you do. I have a couple of thoughts. Uh, but I, I'm sure you do, but you don't need me. You don't need to run these by me. No, right? I, I don't. I don't need to respond. You don't need to respond. Okay, I just, okay. Just, okay, I'm okay. just going to listen. First item, I might not nod. Because I, might, quote, I might not nod. Because we showed the video of Ed Bastian, yes. who I adore, by the way, okay. as a human. But, but I disagree with him okay. vehemently on this issue, which is, again, this is somebody who has is making this argument about okay. personal accountability, and yet the airlines were the first person, people to say, actually, we can't be accountable for ourselves at all. We need your money. As ta and this goes back to my argument about okay. taxpayers. This idea of personal accountability on one side, but effectively socialism when, it's, when, it, when, it's, when it works for them on the other side, to me, is just blasphemy. Okay. Point one. Right. Two, I think there's a larger question longer term whether, whether we should be wearing masks or not today, from a medical perspective, I think is probably open to, for some debate in certain areas and whatnot. The idea that a judge in this case is making that determination makes this very complicated, not for this particular moment and this particular variant, but makes it, makes it complicated in the future insofar as if there are other variants either of this uh, of the coronavirus or something else that actually does kill people, and by the way, this still does kill people, but does it en masse at levels that I, for some reason are politically less acceptable, I think it's going to make it very hard for any administration, Republican, Democrat, whatever, to implement measures that actually could save people's lives. You in know, a you know there's, way. there's people that wanted this done long ago. I they, know that. And, and there's a whole... I know that. There's a whole group of individuals. And you could argue that, the CDC that, that, has made lots of mistakes along the way, could, including, but, by the way, you could argue the administration had the Don't you see on Twitter every day they say that this was all ineffective to start with? And it should have never, none of it. And there's a whole civil liberties question about whether, you see what's happening in China right now. That's the one end. And then there's the other end of what could have been done. And, and, and did you see the study about which states fared best? New York and, and New Jersey fared, and Florida and Texas I, actually were, had I much. Think, I think there's some, some debate about that in terms of how, okay. how, how the fairies. Garbage in, garbage out, the, the figures weren't right. But there, there's a whole group of people that, that, that aren't like you in a lot of ways and that feel like the whole thing's been overdone. I just wish that this wasn't the determination of a judge but actually was the determination of, of, of medical professionals. Having you know said what? that, I know there are people who don't believe in medical professionals. I think if there is a deadly virus that, that will do the right thing next time, and I don't think you're going to need the government to make people do the right thing. And you think that it was done the right way the first time? Think about how many I, people I, died. I know, I know, yeah. I know that around the world because it was a, a pandemic, and it was much worse than a normal pandemic worse than anything but we've if seen we in 100 years to that judge more people would have died that's the truth well that's you can the get, truth. you can say that about a lot of things when you're trying to, to balance personal freedom against what you would call less than one percent mortality rate probably so I, you wouldn't do a lot of things you wouldn't let people ever have another uh, stick of butter you wouldn't have people ever you'd mandate them to be on a treadmill every day 
You, I mean, smoking, God forbid. I mean, there'd be so many things, you'd never have another piece of fried chicken, Andrew. I mean, we can save a lot of lives doing a lot of things. I mean, I understand it, and I, and I love you, and it's been how long? 12 years? 10, We've been together 10, a long time, my 10, friend. 10, 12 years, a lot longer than a, a lot of marriages. And you know about marriages. A lot of people see therapists, because, and, and we haven't quite done that That's yet. That's what this is every morning, I thought. Let's bring in Sarah Nelson. It's uh, International President of the Association of Flight Attendants, representing nearly 50,000 flight attendants at uh, 20 Airlines. So, Sarah, where you were, was it like everything else in this country? There were half of the crew was cheering and the other half was, was booing? Were most flight attendants happy or sad that the mass mandate was lifted for, for, uh, uh, for airplanes? Well, look, Joe, we've been enforcing this mask mandate, not just since it was a federal mandate, but uh, for over two years now. And we put that in place. Let's not forget that the airlines put that in place without any support from the federal government uh, because we needed to, people to understand that they could be safe flying on the plane. Now, we've had certain mitigation factors since then. Of course, the vaccine, more access to proper PPE, um, more access to testing. But, you know, on a plane, you have to have the spirit that we're all in this together. Everybody has to practically undress in order to show that they're not a security threat or give, you know, extensive data to the government so they can assess that before you go through that, those security checkpoints. And you have to wear your seatbelt. It's not just about you. It's about protecting everyone around you because you can be thrown around and fall down on them. The same idea. The only reason that this has been an issue is because it was so politicized. So I, I want to be really clear. You asked me the question, where do we stand? We did not take a position on extending the mask mandate. And the reason for that is because you're right. It's split. I have members and I have actually passenger, a lot of passengers I'm hearing from this morning who are begging us even go on strike to stop this. People are really upset about it. And I have other people who have been um, waiting and really excited for this to go away. I have to say, going into the summer months for flight attendants, it's uh, hard for maybe somebody flying a couple hours on a flight to wear a mask. Imagine people who have been on the front lines wearing the mask for 14, 15, 16 hours um, and having to enforce it with other people who are grumbling all the time. So I, I have to say, I'm, I'm with Andrew on this one. Um, I think if there's anything that we've learned from this, it has to be about common courtesy and recognizing that you may not have the same situation that other people have. If someone asks you, could you please put on your mask? I'm auto, uh, uh, immunocompromised and I'm going for a medical treatment. The only way I could do it was on a plane. Um, you know, I wanna get there safely to be able to get this treatment and not have greater risk when I get there. These are the kinds of things that we're dealing with on the planes. And if, if, Sarah, I, if someone, I, and, if and someone has an N95, if someone has their own N95 snugly over their, their face, why doesn't that protect them individually? And why would you need the entire plane covered in masks well, if the person that, that, that has what, what you're describing has a tight-fitting N95 over their mask? Why does everyone else have to wear one? So I'm not arguing for the entire plane to so be wearing that mask. In fact, you know, what are you we're arguing saying, for? The, the person next to them? The person what we're next saying to them. Is, what we're saying is common courtesy. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I want to just say one other thing, Joe. Um, well, what we you really didn't, didn't answer my position, <laughs> it didn't really answer my question, Sarah. What, what why I said does, was if, if they the have a tight fitting, if the person that's worried because is free to wear. Show, because the studies show that the people directly around you, 
if you're both wearing a mask, there is a higher level of protection. So it gets so through that's, the end. That's all I'm saying. That doesn't yeah, work so for the individual wearing the end. What, the type that doesn't I'm, work. What I'm saying is, okay, maybe if they wear it the entire flight, they're looking forward. They're you know not adjusting that at all. Um, so I, I'm I'm only talking about common courtesy here, Joe. I'm obviously not a scientist, and I'm when not going to pretend to be. Okay, um, so Sarah, when I would it end it, then? It Let's say COVID's that. gone. Let's say COVID's gone, and the I'm same not, immune, if the same immune compromised person is on a flight, and COVID's gone, but there's still normal germs that are around, like the common cold, or or yeah, if it's flu exactly. season, should everyone everyone exactly. should be wearing a mask? So, from here on out. So I want to just say, so say two things here, Joe. I'm going to answer your question. One, it was not right that we would change in a moment's notice yesterday because there were people who got on the plane with a certain set of rules. They decided to buy a ticket with that certain set of rules. And in mid-flight or when they were landing, those rules changed. So there should have at least been a 24-hour period where we're giving notice that would have been more orderly for the flight crews. Here's the other thing I would say. I'm a 25-year flight attendant. Every flight attendant knows that when you start out flying, you have to get your air legs underneath you. And one of those things means that you're going to get all of the viruses and you're going to get incredible uh, an incredible immune system. So the idea that people would say, I'm going to go on an airplane sick um, is, is pretty offensive to me. That's my workplace. And so you're bringing that and you have a greater risk that I'm going to be subject to your germs if you knowingly do that. And so I'm just talking about common courtesy here. I'm not talking about extending the mask policy or anything about this. I think Andrew's point about what have we learned during this time about how we're just thinking about each other. And I think that what we have learned is that there are some people who have decided that this is a political hot button to keep us divided and keep us thinking that we're at odds with each other. When in fact, actually my experience as a flight attendant, I think most flight attendants would tell you the vast majority of people come to the door of our aircraft with a desire to have a safe, uneventful flight and are also very courteous and thoughtful about other people. It is only a small handful of people who cause problems. Now, I'm not saying you not wanting to wear a mask is causing problems. But I'm saying, just as a general rule, we're in a common space here together. You're traveling through the air in a metal tube. You can't get out and walk away. You don't have that choice. And so I, I think it is important that we think about each other and just you know, consider what other people are telling us. Before coronavirus, this is actually one of the things that flight attendants would have to deal with that was an area of conflict. We would have what Andrew is describing, where someone's on the plane, they're coughing all over the place. Everyone is very uncomfortable. We do have masks on the plane. We had them before, extra masks. We had them uh, before coronavirus. And in many cases, flight crew would go up to that person and say, excuse me, would you please wear this mask? And so, I, it, you know, this is an issue from before coronavirus. And this is not about extending this mask policy. It's more about how we're recognizing that we're looking out for each other and not bringing our own uh, problems or viruses to other people, knowingly. Okay. Uh, uh, right. It's, a, it's, it's in practice, I, I understand common courtesy. In, in reality, I, I don't see a, a masked country for the next 10 years in, in the United That's States. That's not it, what it we're just, talking about. Let's be really clear. It, 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 I see, be it's, really it's a slippery. I don't see how you can. It, it's either all or nothing because you never know. You never know who you're next to, what their immune And we all do have immune systems. Some of them not as good as others. But 
Um, you know, I've had colds, I've had flus. I understand. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you have the flu or cold, and you're going to get on a plane, if you're going to go and you know you it, yeah, then you okay. should put a mask on. All right, that would be. Don't you think that's a fair thing to do to the person next to you who's not going to wear? If, if everyone's really not wearing masks, I think if a person is worried, they should put on a tight-fitting N95. Cheese will be next. Up next, Elon Musk putting together the cash to buy Twitter. They really want to make money on it. No, know. not for money. For what? Power. And we ask the guy who's working with Elon Musk to write the book on Elon Musk. That'd be Walter Isaacson on where all the tweets, the cash, and the motivation are coming from. I think in terms of free speech rights, uh, Musk is on the side of more free speech. I think that he would call himself a centrist. Squawk Pod will be right back. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. I'm producer Cameron Costa. And yep, we're still obsessed with the Elon Musk Twitter soap opera. Now, the latest in the fight over the future of Twitter as the world turns. Private equity firm Apollo Global Management has held talks now about financing a potential takeover of the social media company. That's according to sources familiar with the matter. But they said that Apollo isn't interested in being part of a consortium that would acquire the company itself. One source saying that any financing Apollo provides would likely come in the form of preferred equity, effectively backing um, and using, I imagine, Twitter and Elon Musk's own stock as collateral in such a transaction. It's, it's pretty cool, pretty fascinating what's going on. People circling, circling around, and, and the word is Elon's been approached by probably some of the people he thought he might be approached right. by to give him help. I and, also imagine there's going to be people who are going to go straight to Twitter, though. Meaning and approach right. them directly. Exactly. And whether there's going to be individuals. They didn't even say or, that right. a, a, Apollo could be with Elon or, or completely not with Elon. And it could be with, who knows? I, I don't think we, I mean, you might make some calls and, and get, you know, get some insight on, on how that might work. Um, it's interesting because a, five, a guy with $5 billion, we would think is pretty well, <laughs> we would think is pretty well off. But he couldn't approach Twitter. But a guy with 250, even though he's cash poor, with 250 billion, even though it's stock, and even though the stock could go from 1,000 to, who knows, could go to 5,000, it could go to less, less than 1,000. But it's still, two, it's still 250 right now. So yep. it, he can come up with it. He could come up with it. Why he would want to do it for the rest of us, for the Festivus, for, you know, Festivus is for the rest of us. 
remember that. Well, the question is, is he doing it for the rest of us? Yeah, he is. In my view, Andrew, this is another, yes, to, to stop with what we've seen. I mean, right. the way that, that, that social media has, has picked us aside. But don't you think that anybody who wants to buy a company like that, who, who says really they're doing it for everybody? Really wants to make money on it. I don't no, know. not for money. No. For what? Power. Oh, Influence. No, no, no. You, oh, you don't think that? He doesn't even own a home. He lives with friends. Do you think this is just a philanthropic effort? Yes. Has nothing, and with no ego involved. This is just, just for the you, people. I told you I nod my head when I say Elon, though. Joining us right now to talk about all of this and about the man himself, Elon Musk, Walter Isaacson, professor uh, at Tulane University, CMC contributor, and uh, author extraordinaire, upcoming author of a book about Elon Musk. He's been spending a lot of time with Elon. So, Walter, Let's just get right into it. You spent, you've been spending a lot of time with him over the past week. What do you know? Well, he certainly is passionate about certain missions. And one of his missions of the past year has been expanding the realm of uh, free speech, which is acceptable discourse. He's been very annoyed at things that have happened on Twitter and social media. As you know, he's somewhat obsessive and fanatical about his use of Twitter and social media. But I think it's not just expanding the notion of what is permissible speech. He feels that Twitter is a product that needs to be upgraded significantly. He's a pretty hardcore uh, person when it comes to running his companies, working 24 seven. Uh, and he feels that uh, the Twitter uh, gang has not really kept itself abreast, especially when it comes to subscription and consumer revenue, you want to balance uh, advertising revenue with other revenue. What, what do you know on the free speech piece? I think there's a lot of people who don't either understand or know, and maybe we don't. Maybe nobody knows. But you, you've talked to him. Some people say, well, he's going to bring uh, former President Trump back on the platform. For example, he would let lots of conversations uh, about either politics, health, or other things that have been either. I don't know, censored or maybe downranked so that they're not um, showing up on the algorithm the, the way they might otherwise. What do you see him doing exactly? Well, on the algorithm, I think he wants to make it open source. I think he wants to publish it on GitHub so people will know exactly the, the uh, components of what gets upranked or downranked. I think he has ideas about even using people who use Twitter to help uprank or downrank things. When it comes to banning people from the platform, he's said that he's not in favor of permanent bans, that there can be timeouts, and that basically Twitter and other social media should follow the laws of any particular nation, uh, but not necessarily be more stringent than those laws. So if it's legal speech, put it on. Walter, talking about laws, uh, there are questions about some of the laws and uh, Elon's relationship to them. Uh, this re re relates, if you will, uh, to both his attempt at now a takeover of Twitter, going from a, quote, passive investor to an active investor to a takeover artist all in the course of one week. What do you think the potential legal liability is for him in that regard? And then just last week, his comments at the TED conference, um, I think almost universally any lawyer who had looked at his previous settlement and, and the restrictions around speech, and we can debate whether there should be restrictions around speech, but that was the settlement. It appears that he breached those. Well, uh, you probably will not be able to get somebody on your show who's less of a fan than, of the SEC 
than Elon Musk. And he feels that a gun was put to his head when he had to settle that time that he tweeted out that financing was secured to take Tesla private. He felt financing was secured, but he was forced into a settlement. And Elon Musk is not the type of person, if he's got a deep, strong belief, to bite his tongue. And certainly he hasn't bitten his tongue about the SEC. He is almost uh, well passionate and enraged at some of the things the SEC has done. But what about the basic rules around going from a passive investor to an active investor and now, at least from by all appearances, breach, breaching the settlement agreement? I raise this issue because as banks and private equity firms, all of whom are regulated by the SEC, consider whether to partner with him or finance him, it may or may not become complicated. We'll see if the SEC decides to pursue additional cases against him because compliance lawyers at those other firms may say to themselves, this is problematic. Yeah, I mean, he filed the disclosures he needed to. He changed his mind at times. And certainly you could make a case that some of the disclosures when he was acquiring the stock uh, weren't done in a purely timely fashion. The law accounts for that. Uh, There'll be fines if indeed he did it wrong. Uh, But I don't think there was any purposeful, uh, at least watching him, he's sometimes a little bit uh, more focused and a little bit less calculating than people would suspect. So if indeed he did something wrong, as he may have, in terms of the timing of the filings of the acquisition of the stock, which he started back in January. And then I think he truly changed his mind about whether or not to join the board. I don't blame him. I think he thought, what's the upside of joining the board? So that made him a different type of investor and certainly he needed different disclosures. Hey, Walter, help explain this about Elon. I think there's a lot of a sense that he's sort of a political enigma insofar as on one side, he has spent most of his career, at least thus far, um, talking about the climate, talking about climate change. Um, He has a lot of uh, liberals and progressive Democrats who have rooted for him and his success in large part because he has taken the mantle on uh, with regard to Tesla and the like to do that on one side. And then on the other side, he appears, especially in the last two years, let's call it, uh, to have taken on the mantle of not necessarily a, a sort of more libertarian approach, which I think he's always been a libertarian of sorts, mm-hmm. um, but specifically when it comes now to free speech and, and a sense, or at least a sense among some, uh, that he would be much more open to information, in certain cases misinformation, uh, being uh, exposed. How do, you, how do you sort of grapple with that? I'm old enough to remember when liberals and progressives were very much in favor of the side of free speech. And I think you're right. It's very hard in this very binary, polarized period of American uh, politics. Uh, We expect everybody to be on one side or the other. You know, I've spent a lot of time talking to him, and I don't think he neatly fits into a left-right category. Indeed, he sometimes calls himself a centrist. But he believes strongly in free speech. He he is actually very opposed to certain types of regulation, over-regulation, and that comes from his desire to build factories in the United States. Uh, But he is very much doing more on climate change. When you lose Walter, Walter, you're you're, you're definitely... uh, Content moderation, Walter, has become like a code word for for what liberals in the past would have... Their hair would have been on fire if, if it was tried. You remember 
You remember in the past with the ACLU, there were times where I was very uncomfortable with some of the positions that they took. And then when I, when I really looked at them, I realized that's, that's the correct position. Everybody needs representation, no matter who you are in this country. You can't get mad at the lawyer that represents someone that did, did, did some heinous thing. And, and, and that's, that's what I used to think of uh, about, yeah. about the left. And it's, it's totally switched, in my view, in terms of uh, intolerance and uh, cancel culture and everything else. And I think, I don't know whether you call uh, Elon Musk or Peter Thiel or I don't know who you want to talk about, a, a free speech libertarian, but they just seem, they could be a centrist in terms of, of what used to be known as First Amendment rights. Well, I think in terms of free speech rights, uh, Musk is on the side of more free speech. Uh, I think that he would call himself a centrist in that regard. I I think that people on both sides of the, you know, political spectrum are getting into censor culture. Is Hmm? that a continuum suddenly? I thought free speech was absolute. So well, some, no, no so, free uh, speech is absolute, right. and well, you know it, that. And it is when it's not, you know, it, it, you, obviously there's things that, that you can't, but th- they've been blocking things that don't even come close to, it, to, to being right. not, not free. And you look at who's left on Twitter and who's not, and, and what, got, what gets someone banned, and it, it's obvious that the people that were making the decisions needed right. a wake-up call. Hey, Walter, before you go, and I, I know we've only got 30 seconds, I was struck by Elon Musk's comments about Mark Zuckerberg. He seemed did not like the idea of a single person, uh, potentially for generations, being able to control something like a Facebook. And yet the irony is here he is trying to control a single individual would take private and own and control uh, Twitter. Do you think that his long term plan would be to own it and control it himself or that something else would happen? I think his long term plan is that he would have a decentralized governance of it. And no, he doesn't want to do what Mark Zuckerberg does, which is control stock and pass it down for many generations. Uh, Certainly Tesla is not structured that way, even though Facebook is. Okay, Uh, Walter, it's always great to see you and get your insight on all of this. We hope to have you back as uh, as the soap opera continues. Thanks. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Workin. Up and Andrew, Q. A judge now ruling that Amazon must reinstate a warehouse worker who was fired in the early days of the pandemic. Gerald Bryson had led a protest calling for Amazon to do more to protect employees against COVID-19. He was subsequently fired and filed a complaint saying the termination was illegal. The ruling orders Amazon to give Bryson his job back in Amazon's Staten Island warehouse, as well as lost wages and benefits. 
I only wonder what the judge in Florida would think this morning. So there you go. Actually, people are weighing in on that. And, and it, they like the comparison to, to constitutionalists and activists, but they point out that this is when judges need to weigh in, when a federal agency that, that not elected officials, when, when they try to do something like this, you, you need a court to decide whether they have the authority to do it. So that this was relevant. Well, so you may disagree becomes, with the decision. Well, it becomes interesting. But. Do you think it, well, how you feel if it's states start doing it? So if New York City said you have to wear a mask on the subway well, here. Well, you understand anything states' rights. I'm states' gonna, rights yeah. are for. Oh, of course. Okay, so then what do you do about federal issue? This, then the issue becomes I when just think some states maybe, trans- I, some states might not be is well suited to being in this overall union. I think we need to split things up. What about- I'm kidding. Some people are saying, (laughs) we gotta go. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. But the guys are getting along, sort of, without Becky this week. To catch them in all their glory with video and everything, tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. If you like what we've got going on over here, please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Share a link, a tweet, leave a review, just let us know. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 